to the shepherds, civil leaders, rulers, who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, in regard to the shepherds, who care for and feed my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. I am about to visit and attend to you for the evil of your deeds, says the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries to which I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and pastures. And they will be fruitful and multiply. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. And they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, says the Lord. Behold, listen closely. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he will reign as king and act wisely. And will do those things that accomplish, ju that accomplish the justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Slightly different picture of a shepherd, isn't it? Here, God is condemning the leaders of, Israel, of Judah at that time. They have not been good shepherds. Now, this prophecy came in the history of God's people. The nations have been divided into two kingdoms. And last week we talked about Amos, who was a shepherd, got sent from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom. Here, Jeremiah is from the southern kingdom. God spoke to him, made him a prophet in Judah, the southern kingdom. They had been gone astray, and God sent Jeremiah about 100 years after Isaiah. The people had not been following his will. The leaders, the shepherds of the people had led them astray. This resulted in exile. It happens during Jeremiah's lifetime. He prophesied it happening. He lived through it. And we're familiar with the story of Israel and God's people. They oftentimes get exiled or go into exile, wander in the wilderness because they're not following what God wants them to do. And that usually comes down to leadership, a failure in the leaders of the people. Jeremiah was a strong critic of those religious and the, the royalty that were abusing the people, leading them astray. God knew it. That's why he gave this illustration. People knew what a good shepherd would look like. But even with the condemnation that we hear, God saying, I will. He promises a time of restoration also. Those people knew what a shepherd and a good shepherd would look like. Conversely, they would know what a shepherd that was, wasn't doing his job properly. The flock would be suffering. Now, in the first, very first chapter of Jeremiah, we find out that he was actually called at a very early age. Verses four to six say, before I formed you in 
the womb, I knew you and proved of you as my chosen instrument. It's God talking to Jeremiah. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. for I am only a young man. There we realize that not only is Jeremiah a prophet to Judah, but to all nations. He In his book, if you ever read through Jeremiah, it is the longest book in the Bible. He, he offers prophecies against Egypt and Syria and Babylon and others. This shows me that God is ruler over all. He's going to hold all nations accountable. And they used a shepherd to illustrate because the people would be familiar with what a good shepherd and a bad shepherd look like. And also because as a shepherd and the flock, there's this connection, this closeness. It's hard to be a shepherd and not start to smell like the sheep. It's hard to take care of those chickens at times and not smell like chickens, right, Bunky? <laughs> In order to truly shepherd people, you have to meet them where they are and be attentive to their needs. God called Jeremiah to condemn Judah for their sin, what they were doing wrong. He foretells the destruction of Judah and its capital, Jerusalem. And as I said, he, he lived through it. He had a front row seat to the destruction. He was carried off in exile. He's accusing the leaders of their failures of leadership. So, of course, he wasn't very popular. There was even a plot to kill him. But the good news is that after a period of years, we have this promise of being restored, that God is not going to forget them and cut them off entirely for their wrongs. In the third verse, we have this. Then I will, God saying, then I will gather the remnant of my flock. I'll bring them back to their pastures and their folds. They'll be fruitful, fruitful, and they're multiplied. I always think of verses like this when we think of what happened to the, the Jewish people in the Holocaust in Germany, and somehow they formed a nation for the Jewish people. They've been scattered for years, yet God brings them back. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they'll not be afraid any longer nor be terrified, nor be missing. You know, to know God as a shepherd is a complex relationship. You know, we as the sheep and God as the shepherd, we have this closeness. But it's not an always easy relationship. Sheeps, we as sheep and sheep, they have minds and wills of their own. And then sometimes... The love and the care of the shepherd doesn't always look like love and care. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. To be saved by the good shepherd, Jesus, may not mean a life of total comfort or ease. And I think everyone here today can say, 
amen to that. We've all experienced something in our lives that causes us unease, maybe even to doubt our faith. But God always promises a restoration of our justice, righteousness, and safety. Then the verse five, he'll reign as king and act wisely and will do those things that accomplish justice and righteousness in the land. Anyone who thinks that social justice and righteousness for all people are not part of God's plan is either biblically illiterate, they don't know exactly what God's word says, or they do know and they choose to ignore it. Even the prophet Isaiah, who was a century before Jeremiah, said this. Chapter 16, 5 says, Isaiah, a throne will be established in loving kindness, and the one will sit on it in faithfulness in the tent of David, judging and seeking justice and being prompt to do righteousness. We call these the messianic promises, the promise of a Messiah for God's people, and we know that as Christians as being fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus and his servant on the mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. If you've ever had a sense of not being fulfilled in your life, maybe it's because we're hungering and thirsting after the wrong things. What if we chase after righteousness and justice in our world like we chase after those lump crab cakes at times? And Jesus lived as an example for us to follow in our lives. He lived this life that we can look to to help guide us. Author Stephen Matson wrote this. Jesus didn't just verbally affirm the causes of the oppressed. He wasn't a bystander, a cheerleader, or a passive observer. He devoted his entire life towards actively seeking positive change. He not only threw himself into the conflict, but he was often the one creating the conflict by disrupting social norms, angering leaders, condemning officials, and criticizing governments. The important thing about Jesus is that he acknowledged and actively addressed what he observed, inequity, inequality, systemic injustice, and an apathetic society. Jesus devoted his life towards abolishing those. The exploited, the ignored, the mistreated, enslaved, abused, despised. These were people that Jesus actually sought out to do ministry with. He involved himself in those people's lives. And what these verses of Jeremiah tell me and trying to bring it forward and into our lives, it's about seeking and helping move this justice and righteousness. Righteousness. If Jesus cared and sought justice for people who were mistreated and oppressed and despised, shouldn't we as followers of Jesus try and do the same? Something else to remember is that our relationship with God, God and his people 
It's dynamic, ever-evolving and changing. It's not static. It's not the same yesterday as it was last week or last year or 10 years ago. It's always evolving in our lives. As we grow into understanding more about God's will for us individually, our community of faith here at Asbury, and the world, what's God's will in the world? Think of different ways that we ourselves experience the shepherd and the sheep dynamic in our lives. I at times take my role as a shepherd very seriously because there's biblical verses that say that a pastor is going to be held accountable to the flock, how he shepherded them. I knew that going in, and I failed many times, and thank goodness I serve a gracious God. I can repent. Who people, who are the people that we had to maybe live under as shepherds? We all were young one day. We had parents. We had school teachers. Maybe there's a boss at our job. Who, who has been under your care? Maybe you've had people work under you. In the world that's often characterized by the abuses of power and authority, the prophetic challenges of our day, in God's word here in Jeremiah, it calls us to resist business as usual. We're to pursue the way of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, in our everyday relationships. Whenever we've been entrusted with some type of power and authority over other people, whether it's a pastor like me or an employer, a guardian, coaches, it's our responsibility to model ways that promote justice, righteousness, and safety. We're called to help shepherd people, not turn them into prey for the world to consume. This helps to define us as good shepherds, not like those leaders God is rebuking through Jeremiah. And the first step is easy. I seriously mean that. We just have to love and care for the people in our lives. With our lives. We love and care for the people in our lives. With our lives. How can we help in a way that treats their needs? When we do that, that helps define us as a good shepherd. The second step is just help to care for those most vulnerable, the most depressed, the homeless. Homelessness is going, running rampant. We've been saying, I saw this week, Love Inc. said they, they had purchased water for the year, they thought, for the summer. They were out this week. They ran out of water. But the community has responded. Um, one of the volunteers said that the water, they just, people brought water and they brought the, the collection that we do, that they're, they're filled up again. And that's a way we help in a small way. It's all those little things, helping people in need, not asking why they need have a need, but here, this is for you. When we do those things, we are, we're, we are acting as the hands and the feet of Jesus, the good shepherd. You know, the world is hurting. I don't, think you need me to tell you that turn on the news for five minutes 
And what people need to know is that there is a good shepherd who will care for them, who loves them. We as part of the flock of the good shepherd, we're called to shepherd what we have been given wisely. Not just with our material possessions when we give our tithes and offerings and we, we give to other charities to help those in need, but also with our spiritual, what God has given us spiritually. Whether we like to pray, we tell people we're going to pray with them. Whether it's just sharing a devotional or just anything you do, helping someone out of a rough spot, that's being a good shepherd. The love, the mercy, and the grace of God that has been given to us it's not meant to be held inside like a reservoir, meant to be flowing out from us. It's how the spirit works. This is how we've been called to serve the good shepherd who's over us. By we help shepherding the people that God places in our lives. May we all, may we do all we can to help Bring the good news of God's kingdom into the lives of people we encounter. May the good shepherd bless you in what you do. Amen. Father, Lord, we thank you for the gifts you have given us. We ask you to bless the gifts given this day. Multiply them. So they may be used to bring about your kingdom in, in our community, Lord. Amen. You join with me in the, the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll close with our closing hymn, Blessed Assurance. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.